0: When we hear the other person's feelings and needs, we recognize our common humanity, by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. This quote speaks on empathy, in which we go into the feelings of others to engage in nonviolent communication or to have a conscious conversation. Conversations that unifies our connection with ourselves and with others. Challengers, welcome to Challenge Me For You, where coaching, connection, and creativity as a whole promotes transformation in health and wellness. I'm Nazia Basha, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 11. Today I'm thrilled about speaking and sharing on this topic on conscious conversations, the art of empathy, in which empathy is the core component in the nonviolent communication process a language process created by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, a process I think the world really needs at this time. So dear challengers or listeners, I mentioned about this process many times in my previous episodes, and today I'm looking forward to have this delightful conversation with our guest speaker to elaborate further on this topic. So backing up a bit and being transparent when I first heard about this process a couple of years ago through a meetup app something caught my attention but I couldn't follow through I thought to myself well empathy is for therapists and clinicians why do I need this when I learn this in my professional curriculum so then later on my sister had mentioned it to me and I was somewhat interested I postponed it again And then finally, last year, I decided to take the course. It opened my eyes to a different world of connection, not just with others, but with myself. And I'm still learning that. I didn't realize the potency or power of looking at things differently in this nonviolent communication process. I didn't realize how liberating this style of language was Until I started having conscious conversations in which empathy in NVC plays an integral role in all of our paradigms of existence, such as the body, our emotional or psychological state of mind, along with our connection with our social environment or communities, similar to the biopsychosocial-spiritual framework often used in social work. So on that note, dear listeners, I mentioned I took the course and found a great amount of value. So I'm excited and honored to welcome Eze Sanchez, who's a seasoned NVC instructor, life coach, and a former massage therapist here in Gainesville, Florida. His dynamic and unique instructional style motivated me to continue this journey with NVC. So let's take a moment to invite him Eze, thank you for being here today with me
1: yeah it's a it's a pleasure to be here thanks nazia
2: how are you or should i ask what's alive in you right now
1: uh that's fun uh well right now from that question i i feel uh tickled um and uh and playful and i would say uh yeah i i just spend time connecting with uh with somebody in my life that i enjoy spending time with so i'm i'm feeling uh calm i'm feeling satisfied in this moment
2: that's wonderful i'm excited to hear that elaborate on playful i want to i want to know a little bit about playfulness or yeah. excitement can you share that
1: uh sure yeah it was uh for me it was like it came up in the moment when you said what's alive in you that's like such a uh, I don't know, a stereotypical NVC phrase and I I found it funny.
2: (laughs) I'm glad you found that humorous because I am a graduate from the NVC part one and two courses, so it's become this common lingo in my language these days. Yay. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. So could you explain what NVC stands for, the terminology? Let's begin with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, NVC stands for nonviolent communication, and so so like the word nonviolent, it's uh, it's meant to follow, for example, in the steps of Gandhi, like like in the movement of nonviolence, or okay. sometimes known as ahimsa. So that's coming from from the Sanskrit root of nonviolence is ahimsa. Uh, yeah. And so it doesn't it doesn't so much stand for for example like. Uh, overt violence like oh that might mean like not murdering people or not yelling it's uh one one definition of violence that we can consider in communication is any kind of communication that either brings harm or we could even say distress to somebody involved Mm -hmm. so we could look at all the nuances but without looking at all of the nuances this is like an overview of of what nonviolent communication means where many people think it means oh well I'm not a violent person. And then actually, oh, we can we can consider we're in, in more subtle ways that I might not consider are violent. I, I could be creating a lot of conflict, a lot of distress in my relationship. So we, we can look at those more subtle elements.
2: Okay, great. And how does this relate with Marshall Rosenberg's NBC? Um, is it relevant? I just want to see the connection between the two terms. Oh, that,
1: that, that's exactly, yes, the, 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 that, that's exactly the, 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 the connection. I mean, the, the, this is exactly what, what Marshall is talking about, is, is talking about communication that either harms someone, it doesn't need to be physical harm, it could be emotional or psychological harm, we could consider even more subtly spiritual harm, but even without considering that more philosophical realm, kind of like that if I express my feelings in a way where I'm calling you a name, then not only am I harming you, but if I have any kind of a relationship with you, I'm harming myself too. Because then to the extent that you're harmed in this relationship, I'm Mm -hmm. gonna know about it sooner or later through probably my also being harmed in retaliation.
2: All right, excellent. That's great. I'm glad you brought that clarification up. So tell me how NVC manifested in your life, personally now as an instructor.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when, when I first, like like the first real and like tangible contact that I had uh, with NVC was when I was going to massage school. We've had, we would have communication classes and they, they were my favorite classes. I've always had this passion and curiosity for communication and the effect that it has on people, the way that they communicate. Later I've learned the phrase that communication is an indicator of our consciousness, that sort of points to my curiosity we would have these communication classes. Uh, again, I, I loved them. Uh, fun fact: When I, when I, uh, um, before I graduated, I, I was handed down the the, the, the talking stick. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a tradition that they have at the school. The, the previous class passed me down the talking stick. Uh, yes, and so that was my first contact with NBC. I knew that the classes were involving NBC, but I had the common reaction of. I'm not violent so whatever this nonviolent communication stuff who cares I'm not violent so I didn't really pay much attention to it until a year later when I was doing some continuing education and then this NVC stuff came up again and now that I heard some of the some of the concepts pointed out specifically it's like hey this sounds a whole lot like this life coaching stuff that is really interesting to me I'm gonna look more into it so I got the book sort of like just like swallowed it down just like instantly feasted on the book and uh, started looking for, for other ways to practice tangibly. I uh, started going to a few meetups and then the instructor there, who's, who's actually now one of my colleagues, Leif, Leif Stringer, uh, were two members of the gainsel Nonviolent Communication. He sort of noticed me in the meetups and he's like, hey, you, you seem to like really get this stuff. Would you like to, to be friends and also would you like to work together? I like, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, I would say that was, was 2021. So that was like four years ago whenever uh, I started collaborating with him. And, and soon thereafter, I, I started sharing NVC as well.
2: So it sounds like there were a series of events that led you to this direction.
1: Yeah, and NVC had, had knocked on my door a few times and I was like, ah, oh, whatever, you're not wanted here. And I was like, actually, wait, no, you're really wanted here. Please come back. I'm sorry I turned you away. <laughs>
2: That's definitely a playful way of looking at it. So I'm glad you brought that analogy up. So share a little bit about how does how do you use NVC in the self-care process to become yeah. conscious of your body's needs, your emotional needs, or the needs of the environment given in the circumstances that you're in.
1: Self-care, sure. Sure. <laughs> I would say uh I I don't do it nearly as much as I wish I did, but when I do, it's quite helpful. Like, okay, if I'm feeling particularly uh, stressed, anxious, like especially depressed, kind of that for me, these are all alerts from my body. Hey, some needs are going seriously unmet. Can you, can you take a look at, at what's important? And so, I mean, so actually, I, I gave a class recently on, on looking at depression through the lens of NVC. And, and one phenomenon that I began to share about theirs is a phenomenon of micro depression and macro depression. I also talked about something larger that, for lack of a better word, I called super depression, meaning just like big. But okay, so like micro depression might might be, okay, what are some unmet needs that are really just relevant, like in this particular moment? You mentioned the body that, yeah, like, for example, I don't know if you can relate, like, I tend to hold my breath way more than I wish that I did. Kind of like, many, 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 many times throughout the day, probably most of the time, I'm breathing in an awkward or uncomfortable way than breathing in like a fulfilling way. So this is like one such way that, okay, kind of I'm I'm feeling stressed about something. And then if I tune in, what am I wanting? Okay, one such need might just be air, dude. But something else might be like relaxation, where I tend to hold tension in my body, I tend to raise my shoulders and hold my jaw and do these weird, awkward, painful things with my body. And so attuning to what's my body wanting right now, so often for me, that's like, well, I, I want like peace. I want relaxation. I want to feel at ease in my body. And so this is like one particular way uh, that this might look like. But for example, it might be sometimes I realize what I need is movement. Like when I realize that I've been sitting in front of the computer for, hours at a time and oh, the sun's going to come down soon and I haven't gone outside. Yeah, I just like, I just really want some movement and for example, that that can so quickly shift me from a depressed state into a state of feeling alive and, and well.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and how do you become cognizant of it because a lot of times people are ignorant of these needs and they get so sucked in to just the circumstance itself. So. I yeah. wonder what it would take for them. I mean, you would know, of course, pain starts to happen in different parts of the body, right, as you noticed, yeah. or as you were yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, so how, how to become aware. Uh, yeah. Well, I, in one sense, I could say, I, I don't know, because I'm not as aware as I'd like, but okay, to, to the extent that I have been aware, I would say practice is definitely one element, practice being uh, whether it's a, in, in some kind of NVC environment where we're practicing identifying each other's needs, whether that's self-empathy practice, where I'm, yeah, like I'm setting aside time to like, I'm specifically trying to become aware of what are my needs. And then, okay, it's like as an, as an external aid, it might be to familiarize oneself with some basic needs words, kind of like we could talk about the research that looks at, at studies between uh, different tribes and like, for example, American folks and how when there's uh, certain words that don't exist in a, in a particular tribe's vocabulary, it's, it's increasingly difficult for them to identify this thing. It's the same thing with needs, kind of like it'll be much harder to identify what are my needs if I don't know what to call them. So even just reviewing the words, sometimes like, oh, yeah, I do need that. And that's true. And I want that. And that's important. And I really value this this is so often the experience when i introduce the needs list to my participants right. well how do i pick one because they're all important yeah and so it's in a way like that familiarizing with all of these things that they are all important
2: right so just becoming familiar with the terminology um, of what your needs are and that's often hard i've noticed but it takes a lot of practice and awareness sounds like
1: yeah yeah it it, it definitely can though my experience at least at least for me and you know. Participants that, that I've had in my in, in my courses, kind of like once the awareness it's there, it's like riding a bike. Like you might not ride the bike for years at a time, but then if you say, well, I'm going to ride the bike again, then kind of it's there. It's not like well, I need to relearn all over from the very very beginning. So we might forget about the idea of thinking or seeing or hearing needs, but then when we when we go to like let me think about needs, then kind of it can come back so quickly.
2: Thank you for sharing that. That's definitely brings more clarity to that subject. Now, Tommy, me, you mentioned something on your website, and I found that very profound, that NVC has helped you decriminalize a lot of aspects that you found shameful, I, I'm believing. Can you clarify what decriminalized meant or how do you define that? And how has NVC helped you in that process?
1: Sure. So I've I've grown up in kind of a culture, both in Argentina and here in the US. Mm -hmm. where kind of the goal of communication seems to find who or what to point the finger at who or what like what's the problem or who is wrong or who should be punished and like actually because okay in a way again looking at communication as an indicator of consciousness we can look at at least before nbc like i had so many more words in my vocabulary to to name different types of wrongness whether something is stupid or wrong or incorrect or that they shouldn't do that or what's wrong with them or they're really inconsiderate mother you know what? and that okay this for me is criminalizing someone criminalizing mm-hmm. vin- villainizing the idea of good bad right wrong should shouldn't and so what how nbc helps me is because well, I have this kind of self-talk with myself all the time. And so whenever I take the time, NBC helps me to translate mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, when I call myself a stupid idiot, what am I really saying? Oh, I'm, I'm saying that I'm sad because I really wanted to show this person that I care about them and I see that that's not the message they received from my actions. And so that, that, that will land, uh, both in my ears and in my heart so differently than calling myself a stupid idiot or a klutz or incompetent or whatever it might be that is so common in our in our self-talk.
2: Right. And
1: some, sometimes there's a talk of of limiting beliefs, uh etc. And for me, this is one lens to look at it, and another lens to look at it rather than like overcoming limiting beliefs, it's actually just translating what is that really saying? When I when I think that I'm unworthy, what is it saying? Well maybe it's saying that I feel embarrassed to ask for things and and i want to trust kind of that it won't damage the relationship when i ask for things just to give an example
2: right it's almost like cultivating self-compassion for your own self first and then you can project that outwardly yeah i
1: mean i mean i i would say yeah they they definitely go hand in hand i'm not necessarily advocating that i need to have the self-empathy first Mm. to give it to another because because in in a way like We could say I can learn self empathy by somebody else empathizing with me. Like if I tell my friend I'm so stupid and then kind of my friend maybe reflects back, uh, are you saying that you're disappointed? Like there's something maybe really important that you didn't get and then, oh, wow, kind of like that's true. And it's not making me wrong. It's not making me like the bad guy. Then I can also learn self empathy in a way that way from it coming in from somebody else. So
2: it's not just an inner experience, it's also an outer experience to cultivate that awareness. Is that right here?
1: I yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think it's such an integral part of, of learning uh, empathy is to receive it, Bo- hey. both to learn an empathy outward that I might then give to somebody else or to learn to give empathy to myself, kind of that receiving it because it's it, it's so profoundly experiential is for me, my, my my preferred way of both learning and sharing about empathy.
2: That's amazing. So how does that help you right now as far as the process of the NBC NDC and then dismantling some of the toxic masculine traits that society encourages males not to really feel or um, feelings, vulnerable feelings, vulnerability?
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of like uh, my my experience has been that society encourages men not really to have any emotions, maybe anger is sometimes acceptable if it's like a if it's like uh, again an acceptable amount of anger that's kind of like I found pretty much the the only emotion that's like somewhat approved of maybe okay like happy as long as it's also not too happy Mm -hmm. which which for me has, has been so painful to to live in in this kind of environment and well, NVC is so much about embracing what's alive, which is not all about feelings. In a way, we could say feelings share somewhat of a limited amount of information, whereas kind of what am I wanting? What what What's what's the life in me that's, that's experienced as that's a feeling? What's that wanting to move towards, right? What are the needs? But yeah, as far as like, even just on the level of feelings, it's given me not just permission to have more feelings, but it's also given me language and experiences where actually this isn't even just like tolerated but it's actually welcomed my experience my emotional experience and this for me is so profound
2: so well, that's great so it's just not masculine or feminine it's just being comfortable in the process of understanding your feelings and also making requests correct or-
1: yeah i mean all, all of that for me is encompassed within within NVC
2: so in part one, you mentioned there's a process called thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. How does that help you with dilemmas, especially when you have two opposing thoughts? Would you like to share something, or you have an example?
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've I've shared in 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 part one, sort of yeah, that this thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions, actions create results. Right. And then, okay, I can speak more to that. You asked me if I can make the connection between this and, and sort of being in conflict with two thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe can can you can you maybe um, say more about uh, what, what connection you'd like for me to make there? I wasn't so clear.
2: So especially when we have um, two opposing thoughts in the sense like, okay, well, one, I wanna take this job because it's with the government and say, two, this is a nonprofit organization. The benefits mm-hmm. are not secure uh, versus for a government this is just my example but you can go with any examples there's a dilemma i'm not sure which one to choose here
1: Uh uh-huh okay gotcha thank you for clarifying like yeah so one way that i could answer the the, um the, the question is this analogy of of the ant and the elephant so for example like the ant i could be the ant where like i'm marching towards my goal for example my goal might be I wanna make more money, I wanna lose weight, I wanna have friends, whatever whatever sort of the, the, the thought that I am most conscious of is, I'm walking north. And then I can have some elephants that are galloping south. And so then actually I'm moving south, even though I'm thinking I'm marching north as fast as I can. And yeah, th- those those elephants, they're, they're those other thoughts that you're talking about where, okay, I wanna have more money, but then I also have thoughts like, well, rich people are greedy and they're insensitive and they don't have friends. And I I, I wanna be a caring person, I wanna have friends. It's okay, the results might reflect one of the thoughts. And then those thoughts can be in conflict. I wanna have more money and I don't wanna have more money. And then if we look at, if if we can penetrate through that layer and go into the layer of needs, kind of like how come I want more money or how come I want to lose weight? And okay, if I want more money, maybe it's like, Something about freedom. Maybe it's something about then being empowered to give to others, to help others. And then the thought that says, uh, I shouldn't, I, I don't want more money. Rich people are greedy. Then maybe it's like, yeah, I, I want to be a caring person. I, I, I want to be connected with generosity and, and I want to be liked. I want to have friends. Then that can free me up to have other kinds of thinking of how do I include both sets of needs? Mm-hmm. and not staying stuck on the level of thoughts mm-hmm. is one way that i could approach the uh the dilemma that you presented
2: okay and share a little bit about the observations needs feelings and requests when it comes to connecting with people and our relationships
1: yeah yeah so uh, uh, you mentioned the observations that's we can consider like the first element the first distinction that nbc that marshall makes in, in nbc observations compared to or contrast contrasted with uh, evaluations or interpretations mm-hmm. and for me this is like a helpful starting point to connect um because it, it kind of gives us like a, a, a base reality kind okay so like i i have i have some background experience with improv and the same phenomenon is used to first establish kind of like a common base reality amongst all the participants uh, so that then, kind of, we know where to grow from, where to go from. And in the same way, it's applicable in communication. That, like, imagine, imagine, like, we're friends, and then I have, I have some upset in our friendship, and I, if I just say, you know, you're, you're really insensitive, or kind of, you're not really very caring, then many things will happen. One of which is you have no idea what I'm talking. Now, by sharing the observation, so that's like, well, hey, I kind of, I, I reached out to you the other day, telling you I was in a really low place, and, and and you promised to call me last night, and I didn't receive a call from you. Then we know exactly what we're talking about, and then we could talk about how you feel about it, how I feel about it, maybe what thoughts I have, what thoughts you have. It gives us a starting point. Versus if I say you're uncaring, maybe you go to thinking about, oh, but but I gave you a ride the other day. And and so that should mean that I'm caring. And and so we could be talking about two totally different conversations without having a common starting point. So that's one Mm -hmm. uh, sort of basic way to share um, the value of making observations, not necessarily instead of evaluations, though possibly we could say that omitting evaluations might also contribute, but at the very least to have those in place So that, again, it gives us a a base reality to then continue the conversation from. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, uh, feelings. So as far as feelings, one distinction that we can make is feelings versus thoughts or feelings versus versus faux feelings. Mm -hmm. Faux feelings like pseudo feelings, but also faux feelings in the sense that they tend to create enemies. And what I mean by faux feelings are words that we use as if they were feelings, but really they're still evaluations about what I think that you're doing. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I've met anybody ever my entire life who likes being told what to do. Like I just I've just never anyone that's like, yeah, just like I just love it when people tell me what to do, then I get like really excited to do that thing. Generally, what I hear is like, you know, even if I'm about to do something and then somebody tells me to do that thing, just to just to protect my autonomy, I won't do it. I'm not gonna do the thing I was already wanting to do. And so to take it a step further, these pseudo feelings they're not just telling people what to do they're claiming to people what they're already doing so kind of like to say i feel ignored by you that's me telling you you are ignoring me i'm not just telling you what to do i'm claiming already that you have done something that maybe is not true for you so imagine the level of resistance that i can so quickly create in our in our conversation in our friendship in our connection by starting to tell you All of the things that you're doing that may or may not align for you I feel attacked by you okay that's that's me implying your intention is to attack me your intention is to hurt me of course sometimes that might be applicable like let's say that like that you're you're hitting me like with a bat or something or just even with your fist I could say you're attacking me but generally how we use it is in a more subtle sense to imply that the other person is doing something indirectly with their actions that is meant to harm us. And that could be totally not not in their realm of of, um, of awareness. Like I can give an example when I used to live in a in a communal setting, I was talking with my partner, we we're sitting on the floor of the kitchen, and another member of the house of the community walks by, she talks to to my girlfriend at the time, and then and then leaves. Like I was looking at her, imagine, oh, she's going to say something. Maybe we'll have some eye contact. No eye contact. She didn't say anything. She just left. And then kind of what I was saying, it's like, oh, I I'm feeling ignored is sort of how I was. Yes. Yeah, so so how I, I processed it was oh, I'm, I'm being ignored. And so then this 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 roommate came back through and then my girlfriend said, oh, you want to you want to tell her how you're feeling? I was like, oh, I'm feeling ignored. You know, I, I, I don't know, uh, I don't believe I had contact with NBC at that point. At least it wasn't in, in, in the forefront of my mind. She said, oh, oh, honey, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that I, I, I care about you so much. It has nothing to do with you. It's like, a, you know, because she, her son is my, my girlfriend, speaking about, about my girlfriend, you know, her son is is not doing well. And I'm a mom, so I know what that's like. And I just really wanted to be there for her. Totally, you know, totally escaped my mind. No, I, I so care about you. And I, and I admire and appreciate you a lot. And so. Okay, there I was inquisitive in a way like, oh, I kind of feel ignored. But I could have claimed, oh, I feel so ignored by you. Where rather than saying, well, like, I kind of, maybe I feel sad or kind of hurt or lonely because I was, I was hoping you would maybe maybe touch my shoulder too and we would have that kind of connecting moment. Mm-hmm. No, but instead of, I'm claiming what she's doing and I'm claiming that she's ignoring me. And I like this example because I was so far off from claiming what she was doing. She's like, oh, no, I care about you so much. And I oh, thank you for, for letting me know how you were feeling. So this is uh, the distinction that we can make in, in mm-hmm. between feelings and in pseudo feelings. And as far as needs, in a way, needs, uh, Okay, first, the word needs tend to trip people up a lot. So I suggest that immediately that once we're talking about needs, that we come up with alternatives. Some people say that it's their values, their desires, uh, qualities of a beautiful, enjoyable life. Uh, somebody recently called it core components of well-being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wants uh, things that are important to me. So whatever the name is, it points to these these essential qualities of experience that kind of all human beings want, like care, connection, respect, mutuality. Uh, includes the, the traditional physical needs food, water, shelter. This process of needs, it's, it's a dynamic process where even like my own hierarchy of needs will will constantly be changing moment to moment. Like, okay, uh, from when, like if I haven't eaten in six, seven, eight hours, then like my need for food be- starts becoming more and more important. And then like, right after I've eaten, all of a sudden that needs becomes very little important. It kind of like goes all the way to the bottom. And, and so, okay, each each individual's hierarchy of needs is different from every other person's. like which needs are more important in this moment, kind of because we have different access to, to resources by which to meet our needs, but also for, from person moment to moment, the hierarchy of needs is also very dynamic, changing moment to moment. And still that it, it can be so valuable. This is like in a way, the crux of NVC and what differentiates NVC from other communication modalities, empathy modalities, is this this phenomenon of needs to differentiate strategies to meet my needs from the needs themselves from the values from the qualities that i'm desiring to connect with like okay uh like if 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 i'm wanting like again coming back to a similar example that i was sharing with you where i could call you you're you're so uncaring or what what have you then maybe the quality that i'm wanting to experience that i'm wanting to, to meet in our relationship it's maybe something about like connection, something about closeness, something about friendship. Now, I usually will have immediately a strategy associated with meeting that need. So the difference, a strategy is one particular way that I might meet my need. If my need is food, there's billions and billions of strategies for how to meet that. I could eat this thing. I could eat that thing. I could eat the other thing. I could make these, mix these two things and eat that, So many, so many strategies. Basic, it's approaching near infinite strategies to meet each need. So again, my needs in our friendship, let's say, our friendship connection, closeness, and then I say, "Oh, uh, Nasia, you wanna, uh, you wanna go to the movies tonight?" And then, uh, and then you say, "No." And if I'm, if I don't make the dif- the distinction between my needs and my strategies, then I could conclude, um, "Well, Nasia doesn't care about me." and she doesn't want to have closeness and friendship with me because that that for me they're equal it's like a a very incorrect math equation it's like saying uh seven equals 1400 trillion and 742. it's like way wrong right to to equate the strategy to the need Mm -hmm. and so let's say that you say no because actually there's different qualities like that you want to connect maybe like what you're wanting is simplicity And so then you say, no, no, let's, uh, let's just stay at home and talk. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to stay home and talk. And then you might say, oh, Eze doesn't care about my needs for simplicity. And then if we connect with the levels of needs and I say, Hey, Nazia, I'm wanting closeness and friendship with you. And then you say, Eze, I'm wanting simplicity out of whatever we create. Then that frees us up to come up with other strategies that are flexible. Maybe we can brainstorm. Oh, what if we watch a movie at home? And then order food takeout, then, then kind of uh, um, simple for you and connecting for me. And then maybe I say no, that doesn't work for me because I, I don't really like takeout. But what if we stay in, watch a movie, and then what if I do the cooking? And then that would be simple for you, and then I still get the connection time. Mm-hmm. So we can explore. We can we free we open ourselves up to have many different options to choose from. When we're aware of what are the needs, what are the values, the the core qualities that we're trying to fulfill uh, instead of purely the strategies to do so. That that can be quite limiting. And, and that's actually where so much conflict happens between people. It's never really at the level of needs, but it's at the level of strategies, at the level of how to meet those needs.
2: No, Import- and then the
1: final request. Uh,
2: yeah, sorry. Also, hmm? info- Sounds like you have to have some level of empathy too in the process of trying to be open to this exploration of different levels of needs. Correct?
1: It it it's it sure is so helpful, mm-hmm. like kind of that if if I'm if I'm not aware of the other side's needs, mm-hmm. yeah, it 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 penalizes my ability to come up with a with an actual win-win solution. Kind of like if I'm only aware of my I want closeness, so let's go to the movies. That, that could look like the same thing versus, okay, kind of what what qualities are alive in you or what qualities are wanting to be alive in you? And then how can we create something that actually meets most of the needs on both sides?
2: Makes sense. And you've already explained a little bit, like what are some of the misconceptions or forms of miscommunication that you witnessed as a mediator between couples and parents and children? You kind of already elaborated that. So
1: is there- Yeah, anything yeah. To well, like- all of the yeah. above. Yeah. All of the above. Like, okay, the, the fourth component is requests. The so request means specifically, what do I want another human being to do differently that would make my life more wonderful? Doesn't mean that they'll do it, but okay. Because sometimes, I'll I'll come back to requests as, as I as I answer the, um, the 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 full question here. Okay, observations, kind of the, the communication between couples might look like, well, you're selfish and uncaring. So there, boom. We're we're already not naming well, what was the thing that spawned this this way of expressing? Like, what did you see or what did you experience within the relationship that you're trying to point to? Ah, oh, well, you only care about yourself. Okay, I'm still not clear on, is, does this have something to do with the dishes? Or is it like uh, that you gave me a massage and I didn't give you one back yet? Sort of, it's so helpful to name it in, in my experience. So mm-hmm. often it doesn't get named what the actual thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feelings. I find most couples, at least that I've worked with, communicate in the pseudo feelings realm. Well, I I feel like you don't care about me. I feel so uncared by you. I feel so unloved by you. Where really I'm just naming things that I think the other person is doing, and this tends to not really solicit empathy from the other person. Like if I say I feel sad, I'm really wanting I'm really wanting more more connection with you. I find it's generally a lot more Uh, soliciting of empathy on the other side than if the person says you're cold and uncaring then it's like "Ooh, that hurt let me pull away and protect myself and then as far as needs yeah straight up strategies okay when i say yeah so so what do you need in this relationship well what i need is for them to do such and such and such and those those are strategies versus connecting with well what essential qualities would that fulfill because again this can be so softening so soliciting of empathy on the other side when i get well what i really need in this relationship and it feels vulnerable to say is like i really need reassurance that i matter and i see that that one's such a common one in relationships i really want to know that i matter and i just like i don't just need to know like one time it's like brushing my teeth i don't just do it one time like no. i need i need every day a reminder reassurance maybe even multiple ones a day that i'm important in this relationship versus kind of it can be well I need you to whatever it is I need you to buy me gifts or I need you to tell me that you love me or I need you to and jumping to strategies both partners tend to miss how come that's important and then the last category being requests what do I specifically want another person to do differently which would probably make my life more wonderful I find I could say people people I work with couples I work with that, that we don't really make requests, we make hints. Like for example, it could look like, uh, I really like massages. I made my request, what do you mean? Like, Well, kind of, you told us what you enjoy, but kind of like, I'm not clear what you want for me about that. Like, are you wanting me to buy you a gift card for like, massage envy or are you asking me for a massage right now or kind of like uh are you saying that that you're going to go to your friend's house to get a massage because he also likes to give massage like i'm not clear what you want me to do and this is so common when okay when we work through all the other all the other steps to make requests okay well i want you to be nicer to me well then maybe the other person thinks well i i am nice to you for one And for two, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be nicer. I don't know what that means to you. So the ability to make specific requests is two things, super duper, ultra mega, mega helpful. And the other, often vulnerable or embarrassing to actually let you know specifically what I'm wanting, specifically what I'm hoping you'll do. Like honey, what I'm hoping is that like five or six times a day, You'll tell me about something that you appreciate about me. That's vulnerable versus you're so uncaring and you should be nice. Whew, that's the vulnerability bullet there. But this is, this is in a way, what's required. One of the, so the, the giraffe is the symbolism of, of nonviolent communication. And one, one of the newer reasons that I've heard about how come this the symbolism is used is because the giraffe, it's got to stick its neck out. To to get along, like uh, when it eats leaves, for example, it sticks its neck out, and in the same way, kind of like to live in this in this fulfilling way where our needs are fulfilled, we gotta stick our neck out, our necks out a little bit. We gotta we gotta sometimes make some vulnerable or sometimes embarrassing uh, requests. Yeah.
2: Amazing! And did you notice that recently you just had a workshop, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, um, on Valentine's Day, with where couples had to come together and share their experiences. What was that like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was that was lovely. It, it, it was it was it was particularly so, so transformative for for this couple where really, I mean, really, we touched on on all of those distinctions and sort of I was there to to mediate. And uh, yes, yeah, so, it's so, OK. So we would work through clarifying how to make observations, OK, how, how to how to say what's happening. Uh, to your partner how to point to the thing that was that was the original trigger we worked on on reflective listening sort of how to validate your partner when they're sharing something that's important to them how to give them the validation uh, of of understanding and there was this one particular for me was such a beautiful moment where where the 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 man in this relationship uh, reflected back to the woman, something that she had said. And, you know, I, I was there doing some coaching So, sort of, well, kind of like this part to me, it's like a little bit more of observation what, uh, or uh, evaluation. Why don't, why don't we try again? Or sometimes I would reflect and then say, okay, can you try? And this one particular moment was like, the like, guy was like, oh, that's what you've been saying? Oh, like, I get it. Like, oh, it, it gave me goosebumps. Like they were both so elated, like they had such such beautiful smiles on their faces from being able to actually have this connection of actually understanding the, the complaint, the concern, like, oh, wow, my concern is being understood. And then on the other side, like, oh, I so get what's been bothering you and actually what you would hope for me to do differently. And I'm so happy to do that because I love you so much. It was for me, fantastic. It's moments like that that make my entire career worthwhile.
2: Wonderful. That's amazing. And to to witness that aha moment or whatever graciousness at the time, that's that's lovely to capture that. And you're offering the basics course now for 10 weeks, correct? Because I took the course when it was just nine weeks. So what has changed? And it seems like you're expanding as well in this process.
1: Yes, yes, uh, um, absolutely. So it started actually as an eight-week course Quickly developed to nine. It was at nine for a long time, and so I'm I'm constantly I'm constantly refining. I'm constantly adding value, adding content,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, adding materials, uh, handouts. Because uh, yeah, it's 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 so meaningful to me, and, and I, I constantly want to make it better. And so uh, actually, this is this is something that I had been uh, thinking about for some time, uh, where or if or when to implement. And then it's actually a conversation that you and I had in the course about liking to see more emphasis on on the um, the statistic that I give, right? Seven, in emotionally charged communication, 7% of the meaning that we gather comes from the words, 38% from paralinguistics, right. the pitch, the tone, influence, cadence, volume, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then the the 55% of non, non-verbal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is something that for me is, is a really, uh, really important element uh, that I, while well, I hold importantly, I had it introduced into, uh, into the course. And yeah, so the fact that it, it came up and that we had this discussion about it, I took it as a sign, okay, it's, it's important enough to, to dedicate space within the course. And so uh, that's the reason why I, I expanded it most recently.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. It's great to hear that. It's almost like we're learning from each other. You're also learning from your participants and seeing what you can incorporate in the learning process.
1: Yeah, I love receiving feedback. I, I, I think that I don't get it as much as I'd like because I think it can be intimidating, kind of like this worry of, oh, I don't want them to think I'm criticizing them. And I sometimes I try like, I don't take it as criticism. I really love your feedback and it's really helpful to improve. Uh, and still, most of the time I get the response, no, oh, it was great, there's nothing to improve. I know I want to improve it. so So for me, when there's moments like this, of, oh, I would love to see more of this, then yeah, I, I I take it to heart and 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 I endeavor to to deliver on it.
2: <laughs> I exhausted you with those emails, so <laughs> I do not mind giving feedback as long as it's constructive. So that's I'm glad to hear. So this is what the eighth time you're teaching this course. How many how many times have you taught this? Yeah,
1: so so the, this uh, I just started the eighth, and actually uh, today's Friday, so four days from now, Tuesday. I'll be starting also a ninth one from all the participants that were interested to jump on the eighth, but the day and time didn't work for them. I proposed an alternative. And so I'll I'll be doing uh, two simultaneously, which is super exciting for me.
2: That's great. Excellent. So how's the, well, it used to be in-person this course and now offering it virtually. What were some of the benefits that you've been noticing even though it's a pandemic, but- Yes, um, yes.
1: yeah so some some of the benefits uh for sure is getting to uh expand my impact expand my reach where okay, before i was uh working purely with people from my community and now i get to work with people from all around the world and that's like so fun it's so exciting mm-hmm. uh it, it, i i believe that it include it, it brings more um more dynamicy uh people from from different backgrounds different uh, just different time zones uh, different cultures, um, and so for me it, it brings a lot of variety into the mix.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, you can get to interact with so many people that, I guess in person, it was just limited to just Gainesville, I believe. Uh, yes, exactly. Great. And is NVC also integrated with different languages or cultures? You mentioned cultural backgrounds and diversity, so. Curious.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, even just, just Marshall, he would do work all around the the world, and I I don't have a number for like how many how many countries he's worked with. I, I believe it somewhere maybe in the book it, it, or maybe in the foreword, the review it, it says like the number of of languages that it's been translated into.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so yeah, like for example, I I bought a, a copy of the book in mm-hmm. Spanish uh, for my mom. That, that that's that's her her primary language, and of course yeah, I mean it, it's it's in in Portuguese. I mean there's uh, there's there's communities. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say in every country, but, but I know that there's in every continent uh, of, of the world that there's there's NVC communities. Even recently, there was um, the second global NVC festival, and there there was participants also from from all around the world that use the NVC process in whatever their native languages are.
2: And did you notice a difference or a distinction from how you communicate NBC in Spanish versus English?
1: Yes, for sure. Um, I've done it a whole lot less in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm less, less comfortable, less confident with it. Uh, I, yes, I, I, I use it uh, whenever I'm doing coaching. I haven't, I haven't yet it's something <laughs> that many people have mentioned to me to, to offer the course that I offer in Spanish. So that's like sort of on the back burner to to, to create that uh, the Spanish version of of the course. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm more we'll um, say I'm more articulate. I'm more articulate in in English, mm-hmm. whereas I I came to the U.S. when I was nine, and from there, probably like ninety percent of my communication at least has been in English. So I've I've cultivated more more nuance in being able not just to describe my own inner landscape, but to touch on the inner landscape of others, but ultimately the process is the same. And the more that I do apply it, say at home with my family, then the more that it does um, sort of begin to round out around the rough edges that I still have.
2: Mm -hmm. Nice. So before we close, do you have any final thoughts or would you like to share anything
1: as we're wrapping up? Um, Yeah. One one thing that I want to say is that Oftentimes, NVC is seen as something to do, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do NVC or as an, as an allegory, as something to use. Oh, I, I used NVC in this relationship and it didn't work. There's two directions I could take. Well, it can't not work, depending on how we define working. But I wanna focus on the other elements. Uh, like for me, NVC is not something to do. This is like the part that sounds cliche or, or, or cheesy, uh, is that for me, it's, it's really a way of being like okay like ultimately spiritual life is not meant to be something that like oh i do from 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 6 a.m to 8 a.m and then kind of i i stop and then i do this other thing the the ultimate goal is is an integration and for me really nvc for me is is a spiritual practice is a for me it's a communication-based approach to self-realization and so yeah for me it's it's really something that's meant to be integrated not just like Okay, something that I do in this relationship or at this time, it's about, okay, it's about seeing the world and everything in it, myself, others, everything in the world through this compassionate lens of, of needs. Uh, there, there's a quote, I, I forget who it's from in this moment, that NVC is a, is a mindfulness practice masquerading as a communication technique. And I, I find so much value in this and that it's aligned with Marshall's vision that ultimately NVC for him was, was a spiritual practice. And that's what he would hope that people would get from it, not just some mechanical set of communication tools. Of course, the communication tools I find invaluable and that that the value doesn't stop there. It's not limited to doing a reflection or to saying a word that's a need word, that it goes beyond that. Thank you
2: for sharing that. I found that really meaningful. And I guess it's not a product that you just utilize and then just disuse or start stop using it's a way of living and I appreciate hearing that that it's a way of life not just a a product or something that we use mechanically to get something done
1: yeah (laughs) yeah because a lot of people have a conflict with NVC in that regard like oh it's manipulative Mm. like I I guess it certainly could be used in this kind of a way and and for me it's like the scalpel well it, it wasn't really meant For people to stab each other but ultimately it could be used that way it was meant for surgery and to heal people that in the same way for me NVC was created again as a spiritual way of being that fosters connection and natural giving and okay it it could be used in in different ways that for me are, are less than enjoyable to know that it's being used this way.
2: Thank you so much, Eze, this was really helpful for me to get more clarity about this process. And I appreciate you taking the time and dealing with the little nuances that I had earlier with the recording. So um, I really encourage everyone, the audience, the listeners to take the course. There's so much more meaning and value that we can all use in our lives um, to change the way we think and process information and connect with one another. So uh, you can go online at EzeSanchez.com and find more information about him to take the course. And we are evolving daily here at Challenge Me For You. Be well, be safe, be healthy.